Good morning and welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. My name is Karen Mills and I have the pleasure to serve as your service leader this morning. I'm joined by our minister, Rosemary Morrison, and we hope that you feel welcome here. Before we dive into our service proper, uh, we have a time for announcements. Rosemary and I don't have any, except to say thank you to everyone who joined online and in person yesterday for the second part of our startup meeting. Uh, there were, boy, some big brains and big ideas at work, and I think we're all very excited to see what comes of that. Um, there were the two sessions, that was the formal part, but it was by no means the end of the conversation. In fact, I would say it's just the beginning of a conversation to imagine what UCE could be and what it wants to be in the coming years. So if you didn't have a chance to participate yesterday, know that there will be lots of opportunity coming. And uh, you can see some of the creative ideas on the whiteboard there. And uh, we'll have plenty of opportunity for more. Are there any other announcements this morning? All right. And I'd like to um, just affirm that the Unitarian Church of Edmonton is a liberal, religious, multi-generational community. We celebrate the rich mosaic of free-thinking, spiritually questing individuals joined in common support and action. We welcome diversity, pursue the common good, and work for justice. We believe in the compassion of the individual heart, the warmth of community, and the search for meaning in our lives. We gather with gratitude this morning on Treaty 6 territory. A treaty is an inheritance, a responsibility, and a relationship. May we be good neighbors to one another, good stewards to our planet, and good ancestors to all of our children. On this chilly morning, I invite the warmth of community to wrap around you, and I hope it sinks right into your bones. And as we prepare ourselves for worship, I invite you to just let go for a moment of your everyday worries and we'll quiet ourselves, our phones, our minds and create a space to just be together this morning, whether we're online or in person. In the spirit of life and love, we gather. Gordon's going to play a lovely traditional Irish piece for our prelude. And I invite you to take that time to reflect and focus so that we can be fully present as we enjoy this gift of an hour that we give ourselves together.
Thank you, Gordon. And thank you to many volunteers that are making this morning all work seamlessly. Um, you know, when things don't go wrong, we kind of forget that they're there. Um, but they work really hard to make that happen. So thanks to our sound and Zoom and production folks, to the people who greeted this morning, uh, to the people who will count our contributions after the service. Uh, it, all, it all helps make everything just run seamlessly and smoothly. I'll now invite the splendidly attired Will Adair forward to light our chalice. As Will lights our chalice, I have words by Eric Walker Wickstrom. We light this chalice for all who are here and all who are not. For all who have ever walked through our doors and for those who may yet find this spiritual home. And for those we can't even imagine. For each of us and for all of us, may this flame burn warm and bright. Now I invite you to sing uh, hymn number 188. So the words will be projected on the wall, but it's also in your hardcover hymnal. It's 188. Come, come, whoever you are, and we'll sing it through three times. Stand as you are able. desperately wanted to do that in a round, so I just started and ignored the piano. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> and then when there's more of us, we can just have a drum and no piano, and then we can divide into... And we can have piano. And there will be lovely piano. And we can do the descant. That'll be fun. All right, the story for all ages this morning, and am I, am I in an okay place, camera people? Thank you. I want to make sure everyone can see. I guess the, it's being, all the camera is going onto the book, so there you go. You might be able to see some of the pictures. And this book I have chosen is called The Sandwich Swap, and it's by Her Majesty Queen Rania Al-Abdullah, with Kelly DiPuccio and illustrated by Tricia Tusa. It all began with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And it ended with a hummus and pita sandwich. 
Salma and Lily were best friends at school. They drew pictures together. They jumped rope together. And they ate their lunches together. It's just that what they ate was a little bit different. Lily ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day for lunch. Salma ate a hummus and pita sandwich every day for lunch. And although Lily never said it out loud, she thought Salma's sandwich looked weird and yucky. She felt terrible that her friend had to eat that icky chickpea paste every day. Ew, yuck. And although Salma never said it out loud, she thought Lily's sandwich looked strange and gross. She just felt awful that her friend had to eat that gooey, peanutty paste every day. Ew, gross. Let's say that together. Ew, gross. Then one day, Lily just couldn't hold back those pesky thoughts any longer. Your sandwich looks kind of yucky, she blurted. What did you say? Selma asked, thinking she must have misunderstood her friend. I said your sandwich looks yucky, Selma frowned. She looked down at the thin, soft bread, and she thought of her beautiful, smiling mother as she carefully cut Selma's sandwich in two neat halves that morning. Her hurt feelings turned mad. Yeah, well, your sandwich looks gross, and it smells bad, too, Selma snapped back. Lily looked surprised. She sniffed the thin, squishy bread, and she thought about her dad in his silly apron, whistling as he cut Lily's sandwich in two perfect triangles that morning. Lily scowled. It does not smell bad. Ew, yuck, back and forth. Ew, yuck. Food fight. <laughs> Food fight. Peanut butter and hummus sandwiches and other lunch favorites began flying back and forth between both sides of the lunchroom. They stuck to the walls. They stuck to the lunch lady. When the sandwiches were all gone, pudding cups and applesauce and carrot sticks took flight. I so wish I had some plate food right now. <laughs> Salma and Lily looked at one another from across the rowdy, splattered room. They both felt ashamed by what they saw. They both felt really ashamed when the principal called them into her office after they had helped clean up the mess. The following day, Salma set her lunch down across from Lily's. The two girls nibbled on their sandwiches in silence. Finally, Lily got up the courage to speak. Would you like to try a bite of my peanut butter and jelly? Salma grinned. Sure, why not? Would you like to try my hummus and pita? Lily laughed. I'd like that. So on the count of three, okay, on the count of three, one, two, three. 
Mmm, yummy. Hey, this is delicious. This is heavenly. The girls giggled and hugged and traded sandwiches. After lunch, Selma and Lily met with the principal again. This time, they were there to suggest a very special event for the whole school. And that's how it all began, with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and ended with a hummus and pita sandwich. Can we see the picture? I think they planned an interfaith meal, <laughs> interfaith gathering. And that's how we come together often, isn't it, when there's differences, is with food. Thank you. So um, our next hymn is a good old rousing Christian hymn, Praise Be to God the Almighty. And you might notice that we started with an Islam hymn. We're moving to a Christian hymn. Stay tuned soon for the Buddhist hymn. The words will be here or in your book, and I invite you to rise as you are willing and able when Gordon invites you to do so with his music.
one of the purposes of this church community is to encourage all who gather here to grow more generous in spirit. In addition to supporting this community, we also make a monthly commitment to the wider community, and one half of our identified contributions is received and given to an outside organization. For the month of February, we're supporting iHuman. iHuman supports youth impacted by the negative outcomes associated with poverty, intergenerational trauma, addiction, mental health, abuse, racism, discrimination, and exploitation. Over 500 youth between 12 and 24 years of age access iHuman every year, and 80% of those youth self-identify as Indigenous. iHuman's beautiful vision statement is that every marginalized young person feels welcome, connected, and valued because without their wisdom and creativity, our future is less vibrant. For those in the sanctuary, offering plates are located in each of the exits. Gosh, I felt like a stewardess there for a moment. Uh, those in the sanctuary may leave a donation at the end of the service, and for those online, I invite you to go to iHuman's website and contribute there. We thank everyone for your spirit of generosity and action. And through all we do in this community and the wider world, we're involved in the important spiritual work of creation and compassion. Let us sing from you, I receive. We take some time to recognize the joys and sorrows that touch our lives. In a ritual practiced by many Unitarian Universalist communities, we light candles to mark these significant events. For those, of a, for those who are online with us today, you may wish to write down your thoughts in the chat on the computer. And for those in the sanctuary, I ask that you line up single file to light a candle and please use the glass of water as you extinguish your taper. So if you come just behind the trees around this way and the glass of water is right on the edge there. I now invite anyone who wishes to do so to come forward and light a candle for whatever is on your mind and heart.
Karen is going to light a candle, some, a few candles for the joys and concerns that have been typed into the chat. Hold these things. In. Can we read them? Can you read them? No. Uh, Gloria, a candle for my, Gloria Krenbrink, a candle for my dear sister-in-law in hospital and not expected to survive. A talented and accomplished woman whose life is based on doing for others. The third parent to my boys. From Elaine Renard, to those in my family suffering from dementia and from COVID, I light this, ca I light this candle. For the first time in weeks, we have from Brandy. How do you say her last name? Moller Reed. From Brandy Moller Reed. Thank you. For the first time in weeks, we have all five kids in the house. Wishing everyone love and joy this family day weekend with whomever your family may be. And from Alex Polkowski. My 15-year-old is getting to have the bar mitzvah he's wanted this coming Saturday. A, confused, a confusing joy for this severely secular dad. And from Maida Zetereko, lighting a candle today for my husband's cousin Iris, who passed away earlier this week. And Karen has lit a candle or two for the joys and concerns that we have brought to this space and to, I'd like to uh, make mention that there has been some surgeries and um, uh, Beth Jenkins' son, uh, Glenn Jenkins, passed this week as, and Donna is here and had surgery and Brenda had surgery. So there's lots of care and concern that we can put out there to the world, to our community. Um, and I also would like to light another candle for the COVID numbers beginning to drop in Alberta. And maybe we can begin to be in, come back to some kind of normalcy. It does feel a little bit normal here this morning, though. So that's, that's nice. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We hold all these things in our hearts. The Sacred Creed, this is our hymn of the month, and I invite you to take it out. If you don't have a copy, there's lots at the back. Um, and if you wouldn't mind dropping it off at the back when, at the end of the service so that we can use them again next week. It will be part of our service again. I love this idea of the hymn of the month. We get to really dig in and learn a new hymn. So thank you. Please rise and body your spirit.
I invite you to close your eyes or soften your gaze. What is loving-kindness meditation? It is a complement to mindfulness meditation and is rooted in an ancient Buddhist practice called metta, which translates as loving-kindness. It nurtures self-compassion that allows us to open our hearts to radiate kindness to others and the world. For this meditation, I'm going to lead you through a loving-kindness or meditation, and then we're going to sing our meditation hymn, hymn number 1031 in the Teal Hymn Book. The words will be here. You probably don't need to open it, um, but you can if you want. So as you are focusing in, leaning into your chair, your couch, your bed, your floor, the earth, lean into it. Let your muscles go. Let yourself relax. And allow yourself to be held. And now I invite you to draw your attention to your breath, Noticing how your body responds as you breathe in, rests at the top, and then the air escapes and rests at the bottom there for a moment. Just notice that for a couple of breaths. Now turn your focus to your heart. Feel or imagine your heart beating with gratitude and warmth. Breathe deeply into your heart, bathing it with attention. See if you can get the air as you breathe in to find your heart space. Going to use the chimes. And now we enter into our meta meditation. <coughs> Call to mind a person or a pet of past or present whose steady love and unconditional acceptance of you touches your heart in a special way. Allow yourself to experience their loving kindness as if they were here with you, right beside you. Happy for your presence, and you are happy for theirs. And they are grateful for you just as they are. Notice how this image eases your body and mind. Relax into a form of connection, this warm feeling of connection. Allow thoughts to arise and evaporate and come back to your heart. Now put this loving kindness and warmth where that you are receiving into words. And the words are, may I be held in loving kindness. May I be safe 
happy and safe. Let's say those words together. May I be held in loving kindness. May I be happy and safe. May my heart know peace. May my heart know peace. Now bring to mind someone who means a lot to you. Someone whose presence you can relax and be fully appreciated for who you are. Maybe they make you laugh. Maybe you like going for walks with this person. Feel the goodness of their heart. Be grateful for your connection. And as you offer them well wishes, imagine that this person is touched by your well wishes and experiences, and they experience happiness and peace. And you can think of them as I read this second metta, and you can say it along with me. May you be held in loving kindness. May you be happy and safe. May you be healthy in body and in mind. May you always have enough. May your heart know peace. Now bring to mind someone you might not get along with or choose not to spend time with. Someone that maybe said something unkind, or you've had a disagreement with, without fixing anything, or changing anything. Simply wish them well. Keep them in mind as I read the metta. May you be held in loving kindness, May you be happy and safe. May you be healthy in body and in mind. May you always have enough. May your heart know peace. Now bring this congregation to your mind. Think about the folks you have gotten to know here, the good work that has been done and yet to be done. Think about all the connections, all the laughter, all the meals shared, all the rituals and ceremonies that you've joined in together. Think about Unitarian Church of Edmonton as I offer this metta. You can say it with me or just listen. May we be held in loving kindness. May we be happy and safe. May we be healthy in body and mind. May we always have enough. And may we know peace.
I invite you to sing along with uh, hymn number 1031 quietly in your scene seated if you want to sing. If you don't, just let the music come to you. Whatever works. Let's just sit with that for a moment. Okay. Uh, the theme this month is widening the circle. And when I first learned of this, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Interfaith Amigos. They are three friends a rabbi, a Methodist minister, and an imam. They have studied interfaith and have come up with a system or guidelines to help us understand what interfaith dialogue or engagement actually means. And we've all heard those jokes, right? So here's one. A priest, a rabbi, and a pastor walk into a bar and soon began arguing over who's, who's the best at what they do. Eventually, they decide in order to prove who's best, they would all go out alone into the woods and convert a bear to their respective religion. A few weeks later, they meet up in this bar, and the priest announces, I found a bear by the river, and started talking to him about the Lord. The Lord. 
He liked it so much that he now comes to Mass every week. And the, bear, and the pastor says, I saw a bear in the clearing, and I started reading him the Bible, and he loved it so much that he is now going to be baptized in about a week. The priest and the rabbi turned to look at the, the priest and the pastor, I pardon me, turned to look at the rabbi, who now has a broken arm, a fractured collarbone, and several cuts and bruises. And the rabbi says, you know, Looking back, I probably shouldn't have started with the circumcision. <laughs> it's a little inappropriate, isn't it? Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> She's right. <laughs> it, well, this joke is funny and, as I said, a little inappropriate, but it highlights what the three amigos tell us that we need to do to break down the barriers we all have put up. We need to laugh, and we need to laugh mostly at ourselves and at all the crazy and wonderful things that make up our lives and our faith. That is why, and I encourage you to watch, what, when, what, when they do presentations and TED Talks, they use humor to full advantage. I encourage you to watch their, their TED Talks. Pastor Don McKenzie Rabbi Ted Falcon and Imam Jamal began their work together shortly after the 9-11 uh, attacks on the World Trade Towers. They did not want to leave all that hate and divisiveness unexamined. So they began to educate, started in New York of course, began to educate the world through their books, videos, speaking tours and lectures. And always, 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 they use humor and honesty to help us look and laugh at ourselves and the world around us. But their message to us is serious. From their introduction to their book, I'm going to read. Getting their book is called, let's see if I can pull it out without making the chimes. No, didn't do a good job. Uh, the, this, I'm going to read a little bit from their book, Getting to the Heart of Interfaith, the eye-opening, hope-filled friendship of a pastor, a rabbi, and an imam, and from the introduction. It's a matter of our survival. We will only survive if we, if we learn to treat ourselves, our neighbors, and our planet with greater wisdom, compassion, and caring. We will only survive if we learn to replace the current climate of fragmentation, suspicion, and self-interest that has our planet warming, countries warring, and loving relationships waning. To replace, we need to replace them with more hopeful visions. The expansive perspective we seek is called inclusive spirituality. They say, we believe that this inclusive spiritual awareness holds the key to the healing for which we yearn as individuals, as couples, as families, as countries, and as peoples. We believe that this more inclusive awareness will allow us to heal the wounds experienced by both person and planet. End of quote. 
These past two Saturdays, members and friends of, the Uni of this church, the Unitarian Church of Edmonton, have joined with Joan Carolyn to engage in a startup workshop. It was last yesterday and a week ago yesterday. Joan Carolyn is our Congregational Life staff. She works for the Canadian Unitarian Council and she is our person. If we need help or guidance, I turn to her regularly. The work the folks did here in the sanctuary and many more on Zoom was wonderful. And you can see some of the work that on the whiteboard, as Karen mentioned. Joan helped us think expansively and then to prioritize and bring into our mind's eye and imagination what is actually possible for the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. I will be talking about this a lot in the coming weeks. And there will be reports we can lean on. And there's jam boards that are available to us to look at. And those links will be in newsletters, in, uh, on the weekly emails. There's no secrets being held from anyone. You just have to click on it. I would like to continue the work and get some solid, concrete plans in place. And one thing that kept coming up over and over again was a desire to have more involvement with other faith groups. And so I was really excited that I was talking about interfaith dialogue when this was coming up, so I wanted to highlight it. And we don't want to just be meeting with other faith groups here in Edmonton, but perhaps supporting other faith groups in other parts of the world. And we need to keep things doable so that we can achieve goals. And it's also good to remember that a lot of the groundwork for doing interfaith dialogue and building relationships with people of differing faiths is already done. And there's organizations here in Edmonton, and I know many of you are part of those organizations. I am yet to, I am yet, I'm just getting my feet, and pretty soon I will be going to some of those organizations and getting involved as well, or finding out about them. The important thing the three amigos say is to not get stuck. Imam Jamal says, don't get stuck like the mullah. Anybody here heard of the mullah? The mullah Nazaruddin? Well, I'll I'll, the mullah is a character, an, is a character from the Muslim faith, uh, who, 16th century, who um, is kind of like a teacher guru. Mullah actually means teacher. Uh, and uh, he rides around on his donkey backwards. He wears this ridiculous big hat. And he rides around yelling on his donkey backwards saying, Where's my donkey? Where's my donkey? That's the mullah. And the mullah is full of teaching stories. So that his job, the mullah's job, is to teach us about ourselves in a humorous way so we can say, oh, right, I am like that. So one day the mullah was at work. And at lunchtime, he opened up his lunchbox and he exclaimed, another cheese sandwich. And the following day, he opened up his lunchbox and he said, another cheese sandwich? And day after day, he would open up his lunchbox and complain and curse the cheese sandwich and the lunchbox that it came from. And finally, his co-workers got kind of like 
exasperated, frustrated with the mullah, and they came to him and they said, Mullah, why don't you ask your partner to make you a different sandwich? And of course, in my head, I'm thinking, anyways, I won't tell you what I'm thinking. <laughs> and so I'll wreck the joke. <laughs> and the mullah looks at his co-workers and he says, I don't have a partner. And, he, and then his co-workers said, well, then who makes your lunch? And he said, I do. So, have we been eating a lot of cheese sandwiches? So the mullah helps us see our faults and our foibles with humor so that we can get over and around ourselves more quickly. So sometimes we do get stuck and we just keep doing things the same way and hoping for things to change. And, you could, and sometimes we say, oh, we tried that and it didn't work. Or this is the way we've always done it. And those are words that stagnate growth. But what, I've know, but I do know that what I learned over the past two weeks, being in these workshops with you, is that you do desire change and growth. You wish to make a big difference in the world. And you acknowledge that you have something wonderful to share and that what you have to share is what the world needs. What we offer is quite different from other Protestant denominations, and yes, we are a Protestant denomination. We're just very liberal in our collective and individual beliefs. We have in our midst today probably Christians, atheists, Buddhists, pagans, Wiccans, Jewish folk, agnostics, recovering Catholics, and maybe some Muslim folks. This is unheard of outside of UU congregations. I want you to know that. That is not what normally happens on a Sunday morning at church. And we also have folks here that are gay, straight, queer, poly, trans, hetero, searching, cisgendered, I don't know if I've missed anything, but the whole gambit. And we are here and happy about it. That is also very rare in a faith community. So, in some ways, we're already doing interfaith, aren't we? In some ways. And we can see the benefit of having our open spirit and our open minds. We actually believe strongly in the core teachings of Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. That core teaching is, of course, the golden rule. And it actually started long before. There is a Confucius variation of the golden rule as well. So love, loving our human, animal, and plant companions on this earth is what we have always been called to do. How do we do it? How do we, where do we place our priorities? Who gets the things done? What symptoms, what systems do we need to put into place? Therein lies the rub. But if we can keep going back to that golden rule, 
to that loving kindness, I think our path will be much clearer and much more successful. The three interfaith amigos, Pastor Don McKenzie, Rabbi Ted Falcon, and Imam Jamal, have come up with a guide map for us if we wish to engage in interfaith dialogue, gatherings, and fellowship. I'm going to read a little bit from their book. As we continue to discover the deeper dimensions of our interfaith journey, and as we meet with, our, with others who are active in interfaith organizations and efforts, one of the things that has become clear to us is that we all go through similar stages to get to the point where interfaith dialogue, collaboration, and celebration becomes actually possible. Our experience has been that there are essentially five stages on the interfaith journey. And the first one is moving beyond separation and suspicion. So maybe having a meeting together or something, or talking, something casual, something easy. And then we begin to inquire more deeply. So tell me about your faith. Tell me, how do you practice your faith? What, what is it that you love about your faith? We begin to inquire one to the other. And then we share both the easy and the difficult parts. So somebody might say, yeah, I really love going to the synagogue or the mosque or the church or the cathedral, but, you know, sometimes I really wonder about this. Or, I don't know why we do that every Sunday. And I don't really want to do the Eucharist all the time. And then we begin moving past safe territory. And I see that as asking questions like, so I was in this class in seminary, and it was called Jews and Christians Learning Together, and a whole bunch of Jewish folk from a synagogue that the rabbi who was teaching it came. And so it was about half Jewish folk, half Christians, and then the odd ducks like me in the class. And we used to ask each other questions like, and this is moving beyond safe territory, we used to ask questions like, so Christians think that Jews think this about Christians. Is that true? Do you actually think that? That's moving beyond safe territory. That's getting deep. That's almost not safe. You have to have built up to that quite a bit. And let me tell you, there were some heated conversations in that class, some tough conversations. And then at the end, I have never loved a bunch of people so much. And then we begin to explore spiritual practices from other traditions. That's the end of that quote. I kind of, I kind of talked in between them. I think it's important to note that exploring spiritual practices from other traditions is last on the list. First, it seems, we have to do some work so that there is meaning and authenticity in our practice. We have to engage with the person teaching and leading, having done the sharing, learning, examining, and coming to terms with our own biases before we can sit in a First Nations drum circle 
or dance like a whirling dervish. Each of us, each of these five steps will take us more time than we have this morning to wrap our heads around. My heart is happy knowing that interfaith dialogue came up over and over in the focus groups over the past two weekends. I also know that many of you have connections in this community that will help us in our journey. Are you interested in this work? Do you have contacts for folks that represent the symbols on our banners? Dear ones, we, just can't, we can't just have banners up. And that was okay during the ravages of COVID and we'll have to do for a while until we can meet again together in larger groups. And I think that Unitarian Universalists have, and the Edmonton Unitarians have a unique perspective and great potential for healing rifts that separate us from one another. Some things are for certain. We have the space, the intent, the desire, and that great kitchen where we can prepare food together. I believe it is in the rubbing of the shoulders, chatting while doing dishes, chopping vegetables, and cooking delicious food together that actually really breaks down the barriers. Food is the great equalizer. Edmonton has a, pop, a large population of new Canadians as well. Racism is alive and well here. I wonder if interfaith dialogue and interfaith gatherings isn't a way to help us live into our eighth principle. As we move forward, can you imagine panel discussions, sharing circles, digging deep and acknowledging some of the shortcomings of Unitarian Universalism? How about making some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and hummus and pita sandwiches together? But I hope we can do better than that. I'm hoping for some curry. Dear ones, in all we do, we know, we must know that it, it is to be done thoughtfully, carefully, slowly, and always, always with a lot of love. And so may it be. Amen. And for now, for our Jewish hymn, Shabbat Shalom, 214 in the gray hymnal, and I'm assuming the words will show up behind me. We'll sing it through, what, three times? Sure. Okay.
next time we're going to have to dance. And then it won't seem so boring. I thought there were other words, I apologize. <laughs> there were not other words. <laughs> All right. Shall we extinguish the chalice? Okay, am I reading? Well, if I could invite you to come and extinguish our chalice for us, please. And the words are by Krista Taves. It is our work, shared with each other in covenant that creates and sustains this beloved community. We extinguish this chalice, but it light, its light lives on in the directions we have chosen today. And I offer you these words by L.R. Nost as a benediction. Do not be dismayed by the brokenness of the world. All things can break, and they can be mended, but not with time, as they say, with intention. So I invite you to go and love intentionally, and love extravagantly, and love unconditionally. The broken world waits in darkness for the light that is in you. Go in peace, gentle people. Go in peace. Amen. And shall we sing, Carry the Flame? Mm -hmm.